0: Hey, uh, we're in this series called Law Breaker, and today we entitled it Belief Breaker. And so to start things off because it's Christmas, I wanted to maybe, you know, bust some myths of maybe your beliefs of Christmas, because sometimes we have these beliefs about Christmas and things about Christmas that really aren't true, and we just believe them just because we believe them. Some of these you might know, but I'm going to bust your bubble a little bit maybe on some things, okay? So first one, newsflash, you know, to, to, Jesus de- was not born on December 25th, okay? I know it's, some of you are like, are you kidding me? You know, no. So, you know, we don't actually know the exact date that Jesus was born, okay? So it's not December 25th. Uh, what about this one? Um, okay, so, <laughs> <laughs> you ready for this? This is going to blow some of your minds. Hallmark Christmas movies are all actually the same. <laughs> yeah. You can watch just one movie and you've seen them all. Someone tell my wife, okay? Like it's the same plot. Rich business girl finds a hometown country farm boy and they fall in love. It's the same, okay? Just, I know it's tough, but you know, they're all the same. Okay, what about this one? Three wise men, the three kings. We don't know. Like, we just say three because we, we attribute it to the three gifts that were given to Jesus, but actually, in the culture, wise men actually would have an entourage, and so most likely it was more than three. Mind-blowing, right? Uh, what about this one? Jingle bells isn't really a Christmas song, Right? You're like, what in the heck? You know, it's actually a Thanksgiving song. If you listen to the lyrics of, of, and that's why no one ever sings a second verse. Listen to the second verse is crazy. Uh, but uh, Jingle Bells is actually a Thanksgiving song. So for all of you, people get mad at you because you listen to Christmas songs way too early, like you started Halloween. Now you can have Jingle Bells. It's fair game. You can just crank it be like, it's a Thanksgiving song. You can put it right in their face, okay? So there you go. You're welcome for that. Uh, what about this one? Merry Xmas. Wait, what did you just put on the screen? Did you just take Jesus out of Christmas? Okay, here's the deal. This started because the first letter of Christ in Greek is X, which was respectable for hundreds of years. That's why it started to be Xmas. Now, I'm not saying you should write Mary Xmas because obviously the culture has shifted to take Jesus out of Christmas, but that's not actually how and why it started. I know, just really messed with your mind there okay all right so those are just some mythbusters. but what we want to do today as we continue in our series on john is we're going to talk about how jesus might want to break some of our belief systems might want to break some of our beliefs of why we believe the things that we believe and just to shake and to shift up some of those beliefs the book of john if you didn't know the whole theme of john is about belief uh, it's actually mentioned 98 different times uh, that we see the, the the focus of belief or disbelief. And in the 20 small verses that we're going to be looking at today, uh, it's brought up seven different times of belief and disbelief. And here's my hope. Here's our prayer, is that maybe there's some beliefs in your life, whether you're a Jesus follower or not, that might need to be broken, that might need to be shifted, that might need to be challenged. And I hope that we'll all humbly, no matter where we're at on the journey, be open to shifting some of those belief systems in our lives. And so that's our goal. But before we kick in, I always like to just pray for us. So let's just pray. God, thank you for getting us here today. Uh, whether we've been coming here for years or this is our first time, uh, we're not here by accident. So speak to us. Thank you so much for your word. That is truth that we can anchor into in a crazy world that we can always anchor into your truth that is constant and secure. Thank you how it just provides for us and protects us and shapes us. And it's just unbelievable. And that we have access to it. It's such a gift. And so we thank you for that. And uh, get me out of the way as always. And I pray this in your son's name, Jesus. And we all said, amen. amen. That's right. Hey, want to just uh, welcome you who are joining us online. Thanks for tuning us in. Grab your Bible, grab your journal, and we will begin in John chapter 10, verse 22. Turn to the person next to you and say, God's words alive. That's right. It's living. I always like to say there's a pulse in those pages, baby. That is the truth. There is a pulse in those pages. All right. It says this. At that time, the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. I just want to catch you up as we continue this uh, passage. We stopped in verse 21 last week and from verse 21 to verse 22, we're looking at a two to three month gap in our in our time frame. Uh, and we, we know that because we'll see later the seasons actually changed. But we also know that because the Feast of Tabernacles is now ended, and now we're kicking into the Feast of Dedication. Which the Feast of Dedication, this is the only mention of the Feast of Dedication in the New Testament, and that is what we call today Hanukkah, the Feast of Lights, which is really interesting that our time frame of doing this series, it landed and Hanukkah started on Friday. And Hanukkah, if you didn't know, is, is a Jewish holiday and it, it is uh, It's a holiday that celebrates uh, this time in, in the period of Israel where uh, they basically got back power. They got back um, control of the temple. Uh, there was this man named Judas uh, Maccabees who in 164 B.C. came and overruled this really, really evil ruler called Antich- uh, Antichus of Epiphanes. He's always messed that up. Antic- uh, let me see, i got to read it. Antichus of Epiphanes, there you go, uh, who was a very, very cruel, cruel leader, and he hated Jews. Uh, he made them try to worship Zeus. He would literally slaughter pigs in the temple. Just just wanted to literally stomp the Jewish people out. He would kill them. He would put them in slavery. He would stop them from uh, taking part in their, um, in their Sabbaths. Wouldn't let them honor their Sabbaths. Uh, wouldn't allow them to circumcise their children. In fact, this is a little tense, but I just want you to know how cruel this is. Um, he would find uh, ladies that would try to secretly get their children, their babies, circumcised. They would find these ladies and kill their babies right in front of them and then wrap their babies around their neck and have them parade in the streets as a witness. And then they would literally kick them off in the, in the kindred valley to their death. This is the kind of ruler that was ruling in this time. And isn't it interesting, I bring that up, how horrific it is. keeps repeating itself. History keeps repeating itself, and that's why we always want to continue to pray for what's going on in the Middle East and pray for Israel and pray for those that are the innocent folks that are caught in the crossfires of such a thing. And so don't be surprised when you hear the world trying to attack Israel and try to attack the, the Jewish folks. Uh, This will happen until Jesus returns. This will always be an issue. Another thing I wanted to bring up about Hanukkah and scriptures is that this is not a prescribed biblical festival. This uh, uh, This festival started in between the era of the Old Testament and the New Testament, the area where the scriptures were silent. And here we have Jesus, God in the flesh, honoring this festival, like taking part in uh, walking in the temple and being a part of this festival. And I bring that up because some people will come to me and ask me questions, or maybe people have asked you, well, why are you celebrating Christmas? You know, it's all kind of rooted in pagan stuff. Or why do you celebrate Easter? That's like Astoria, the God of Astoria. Why do you, you know, participate in Halloween or St. Patrick's Day or whatever the holiday might be? And, uh, you know, the answer is, is, you know, if Jesus were here, would he participate in any of these festivals? And, you know, we see him today in our text participating in a non-biblical feast called Hanukkah. And so maybe he would. We don't know if he would. But I've, this is my opinion. Take it or leave it. My opinion doesn't matter. You only want God's opinion. But my opinion, my personal thought is that we want to try to, to take advantage of every opportunity God has created everything. And so if it was created for something evil, we can shift that and turn it to good. And so that is our hope and that is our focus to take every opportunity, every tradition that comes to us in our world in which we live in, and shift it to make sure that it's bringing glory to God and help people see Jesus through the festivals. So then it continues. It says, It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple and the colonnade of Solomon, which was Solomon's porch. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? In other words, how long are you going to keep us guessing, Jesus? If you are the Christ, then tell us plainly. They're basically saying, come on, Jesus, tell us straight up. Be straight up with us. And man, Jesus had so much patience because how many times did he have to tell these knuckleheads who he was? how many times did he have to show off his power to them right in front of their face and they just just dismissed his miraculous works over and over and over again. The reality is, is that these religious leaders their beliefs had grown cold. And what's interesting is that It says winter here, and some scholars believe that John was not only referring to the season changing and it was growing cold, but also that the religious leaders had grown cold to the idea of believing in Jesus. Their idea of wanting to believe in Jesus had grown cold because they didn't like Jesus. Jesus isn't the Messiah that they were hoping for. They wanted another Judas of Maccabees, the hammer, to come in and overtake Rome and put them in power and kick them out. Like, they didn't like how Jesus was humbly coming. They didn't like the fact that this guy's going to ride in on a donkey. He's not going to ride on a chariot. No, we want a chariot king. We don't want some guy riding in on a donkey. So they had grown cold in their beliefs about Jesus, which makes a great question for some of you today. Maybe have your beliefs grown cold towards Jesus? Maybe... If you're honest, you've grown cold towards the idea of Jesus, and I just want to challenge you to maybe warm it up today. Warm up your beliefs. Maybe there's some theory that you've discovered or something, or there's something about Jesus that you just can't seem to get over. There's something about his word that you just can't seem to get over, and it's just pushed you away from God. And all I would tell to you is don't give up on keep leaning into the truth, and I would ask you, where are you getting your source If you're relying your theory on belief in God and eternity on Google, you're in trouble. You are in trouble. What is your source? Where are you getting these theories? Where is it coming from? Where is the anchor? The the word of God has so much evidence and it is so rich and is so anchored and has sustained the test of time. It is a miracle that we literally get access to this today. It's unbelievable. What is your source? Keep leaning into it. Where are you getting it from? Maybe for some of you, uh, you believe Jesus was a prophet. You believe he was a good person. Um, maybe you believe that he's the son of God, but there's no way that he's actually God. If that's you, maybe that I would tell you that's a belief that needs to be broken. That's a belief that needs to be shifted, because if that's the case, I mean, Jesus is a straight up liar. Then he's either a liar or Lord. There's no in between. Maybe for some of you, you like Jesus and you like the idea of the Bible, but only parts of the Bible. But you don't like all the Bible, and you don't like what the Bible says. So you say, well, I'm good with Jesus, but I'm not good with this. That's a problem. That's a belief that needs to be broken and challenged in your life. Listen, if you love Jesus, guess what? Jesus loved this. He had a high, high concept of Scripture. In fact, we know that Jesus, we looked this up, He quoted the Old Testament Scriptures. We're going to see one of them later 64 different times. He had a high value of Scripture. Let me remind you of Matthew chapter 5, verse 18, where he says this, For truly, which remember when he says truly, truly, it's the idea, of pay attention, don't miss this, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. The iota and the dot is referring to the Hebrew Scriptures and the alphabet with these little markings in the Hebrew language. Not even a little iota, not even a little dot will be out of place until all is accomplished. Where may your beliefs in Jesus have grown cold? I would say, don't give up. Keep warming up. Keep leaning in, because I'm telling you, this is the ultimate truth. Then it continues. Jesus answered them. I told you, and you. I, I, Jesus answered them because they're they're uh, tell us plainly. And so he's like, all right, I told you. This is Jesus. He's getting bold here. I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Talk about saying it plainly. He's saying, look, you don't understand because you're not my sheep. Reminding us that in God's sovereignty, and God's grace, he opens up people's minds at his time. He's literally getting bold with them. You're not my sheep. That's why you can't understand. Once you're my sheep, then you can truly understand all the treasures and all the mysteries that I'm giving to you. And here's one of the treasures that he gives to us as a sheep. It's amazing. Here's what it says next. He says this. I give my sheep, I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. And check this out. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Then he says this, I and the Father are one. And take note as you're taking notes here, when he says I and the Father are one, this does not mean that the Father is the Son or that the Son is the Father. One is meaning not necessarily, one means not one person. One means uh, one substance, one essence. He's speaking about the unity. He's not speaking about the identity. And maybe you've heard this before, but you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's one essence with distinct, very specific roles. And then it says this, that the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. talked about this a few weeks ago. Some would say, well, you know, Jesus really didn't claim to be God. Like, you're misreading that. Well, this is not true, because even his skeptics believed that he was claiming to be God, hence why they were multiple, multiple times trying to stone him publicly. And we know in the culture in the first century that you could not publicly stone someone without a trial, unless they were caught in the act of adultery or claimed equality with God. Jesus claimed to be the one true God, the great I am. And that's why they were so frustrated at him. And that's why they picked up stones to go at him. Now, another thing I want us to point out here in John 10, and, um, this is so important is we see here in John chapter 10 probably um, the most strongest scripture reference to affirm the absolute eternal security of a true Jesus follower. You may have heard this term before, once saved, always saved. Once saved, always saved. That's what we believe here at Miles City Church in the way our theology of the word of God Uh, is that we believe that once you put your faith in Jesus, no one can ever take that from you. And and here's one simple way of, of defining this in God's sovereignty here. Check this out. You did nothing to earn your salvation. And so, therefore, you can't do anything to lose your salvation. Never forget that. You did nothing to earn it, so you can't do anything to lose it. Hold on to that. Hold on to that. But the problem is the security of the believer does not depend on any human effort, but only in God's sovereign grace. But let's be real. By raise of hands, how many of you ever doubt your salvation? I got, like, if I, I put them all up here, okay? Like, yeah. We doubt it. We can struggle with that. The enemy can put doubt. Well, are you really saved? I don't really know if I'm saved. Well, did I really mean that? I don't even know. And then we go back and forth, and then we can start going down this path, and we really don't know. Am I truly Saved, And it can be very tough. And the reason why we struggle with this is this three-letter word that all of us struggle with and all of us have. And that's that three-letter word called sin, S-I-N, that gets in the way. When you're saved, right, you're saved from the penalty of sin, but you're not saved from the pressure of sin that we all have to deal with. And so we're set on this path where it's this word called sanctification, where we're set on this path to become more and more like him after we put our faith and are justified in Christ. Then we're set on this path. Now, that path doesn't mean that we're going to perfect it. But that path also doesn't mean that we're going to constantly reject his ways. And so we live in this tension that only you know if you've really made it real yourself. You see, when we put our faith in Jesus, then there will be fruit, therefore, that will come out of our lives. Well, what's the fruit? The fruit is packaged in many different ways. The fruit can be that you're just here. The fruit can be that you're opening up God's word. The fruit that you're talking to him. The fruit that you're allowing his virtues to rub off onto your life. That is the fruit. The problem is, as Jesus followers, as we start to get hung up on our fruit. Well, you know, be reminded you have fruit in your life that has seasons where you're seeing a ton of fruit. And then sometimes you have seasons in your life where you're not seeing that much fruit. Just because you might not be seeing a ton of fruit in your life does not mean that you've lost your salvation. Hear me clearly. However, if you have put your faith in Jesus, you've said that, okay, I said the prayer, I put my hand up, I got baptized, but you've seen no change in your life ever. In the past year, or maybe five years ago, you did that or a year ago, and you've seen absolutely zilch. It's like, you're not the same. It's like, I'm the same person. I've never changed. I'm, I'm still me. And I just don't care. That's between you and God. And that's where you might need to take a step back and break your belief a little bit and be like, well, wait a second. Am I really in or not? Uh, a good friend of mine. He's pastor of a church uh, in San Antonio, Ed uh, Newton. He had this great analogy illustration he reminded me of. You guys remember the Hokey Pokey? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great song. You know, some of the kids don't know the Hokey Pokey. You know, we got to keep teaching our kids, you know, the basics, right? So the Hokey Pokey. I want to change your perspective on the Hokey Pokey. If I if I can and, and I'll make myself look like the idiot on everyone's expense okay but if you can help sing it for me I really appreciate it but you remember you put your right hand in you put your right hand out you put your right hand in and you... come on that's right right okay you know it okay you guys got it right okay then, you know, it goes through the whole song. And I'm, don't worry, I'm not going to go through the whole thing. Left hand, left foot, I'm not going to, don't worry. But notice at the end, stay with me. What does it say? You put your whole self in. You put your whole self out. Come on. It doesn't say when it comes to your faith in Jesus that you just put part of yourself in. You don't just put your right hand in. You've got to put your whole self in. And if you put your whole self in, then you be confident and you shake it all about and you do the hokey pokey because that's what I'm talking about. And that's what it's all about. And because when you put your whole self in, come on, no power in hell, no scheme of man could ever pluck you out of your great father's hand. Come on. Have the confidence in that. Be secure in that. Never doubt it. If you put your whole self in, man, no one's ever taken that away from you. You are literally living in the everlasting arms of your father. It's unbelievable. It's an unbelievable get. Are your beliefs, have they potentially grown insecure? That's the second one. In some shape or form in your life, don't forget that you have security in Jesus when you give them your whole life. It continues. It says this, then Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the father for which of them are you going to stone me? Like, I wonder what he's thinking. Are you going to stone me for healing the sick? Are you going to stone me for feeding the 5,000? Are you going to stone me from turning water into wine? Are you going to stone me from healing the demon possessed? I mean, what are you going to stone me for? Which one? And then the Jews answered him, it's not for a good work that we are going to stone you. But it's for blasphemy, remember, the quality with God, because you, being a man, you make yourself to be God. Now, notice this, they even got that wrong. They got it reversed. Jesus was not a man becoming God, it was God becoming man, which is just unbelievable that we have such an amazing God. That would literally lower himself to our level and open up our minds so that we can understand his love for us. Thank you, Jesus, for doing it the way that you did. Then he says this, Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I said, you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scriptures cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the father consecrated and sent into the world? You are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God, and this might seem a little confusing. It was confusing to me, but as you dig, you understand what he's talking about. Remember, I said Jesus quoted the Old Testament sixty-four different times. Here's one of them. He quotes Psalm eighty-two, one. If you want to look it up later, and when he says it in Psalm eighty-two, one, they're talking about judges, and they use the term God's lowercase G, uh, Elohim. Say Elohim. Elohim is one of the great names of God, God the creator, that's used over 2,600 times in the scriptures. Uh, and most of the time it's referring to the creator, God. But every once in a while, God would, they would use that word Elohim to refer to judges, men that were judges. And so Jesus is basically calling them out, breaking their belief system and saying, you're going to judge me because at some point, God has called people Elohim. And now I'm saying that I'm the son of Elohim and you're going to give me a hard time. And so, again, their minds are being blown at this point. And so here's what Jesus says. If I am not doing the works of my father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I am in the father. Jesus is calling them out here. You see that? He's like, look, test it. If my works are done in vain and I'm not doing it by God's authority, then don't believe me. But then I love this because he's like, don't let it stop you from keep moving. Don't let it stop you from keep investigating, to keep moving towards the idea of me. He's pushing them to keep moving towards and searching. And so maybe that's for you. Don't stop pushing. Don't stop moving towards God. Don't stop investigating if you have your doubts. Just keep moving. It's so worth it. It's worth everything to you. And then the last section, um, he says this. I, 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 you know it's, it's like I've never caught all this. It's like I love God's word because it's so rich and it's like it, it's never ending and there's just so much here. But, but check this out. Again, they sought to arrest Jesus here. But he escaped from their hands and he went away again across to the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing. John the Baptist was baptizing at first. And there he remained. And many came to him and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. Now here's what I want you to see. Here you have Jesus finishing up his public ministry before he's going to start going back. And the next time he goes in Jerusalem, it'll be the way to the cross. And here he is going back to where it all started in his ministry back to the place where it all started where we started off here in john where he enters the scene with john the baptist baptizing now at this point john the baptist is dead and john the baptist is dead because he wouldn't allow other people to break his beliefs or keep him quiet he stayed loud with his beliefs and so much so that they cut his head off and put it on a platter read about it it's crazy it's awful But here we are somewhat two years or so later after he was beheaded. And look at people are still talking about John and what John said about Jesus, his witness. And many were believing in Jesus because of John's witness. And that just spoke to me that sometimes, right, our beliefs can become quiet. And we forget that we need to speak up about the witness of Jesus in our lives and the importance of that and the rippling effect that it can have and the legacy that it has even long after we leave this earth what legacy are you leaving when it comes to how people view you and the way that you view Jesus are you quiet are your beliefs quiet have they grown quiet or are they loud I was reminded uh, yesterday. I went to this wedding. Tell you this quick story. I'll wrap it up. Uh, I ran into this girl at a wedding. Uh, her, her name is uh, Marissa, and she was just like, "She's like, I really wanted to meet you." I was like, "Okay, you know, it's like cool, like, you know, flattered, right? You know, what, like, why do you want to meet me? Right? It's like I'm not like the celebrity or anything, but she starts going on and. Uh, she knew me, not because of the church, but she knew me because of my past, because of the music that I used to do. And, uh, you know, I don't really think about that. So before I was a pastor, I used to do music full-time and all this stuff, and my music still streams out there into the world, and people listen to it and whatever, and it's awesome. But I don't really think too much about it. And she just starts telling me how a friend, who which is now her husband, gave her my CD years ago while she was uh, in, like, trying to figure out her life. And God used the CD to help her in the process of her coming to know Jesus. And she starts going in detail about every lyric that, you know, spoke to her and why it spoke to her. It was just like unbelievable. I'm like, what in the world? You know, and I'm just like sitting there like stunned by this. One, reminding me that I forget that that's out there sometimes and how God still uses that voice of truth that he put in my heart to share to the world. And he still uses that, which is really, really cool and humbling. Um, so that was awesome, but I don't tell you that to be like, oh wow, well, check out my music or whatever. I, I, I'm not saying that. I, I, this is what. Yes, it was flattering that she liked the music so much. Of course, who's not going to be flattered by that, right? Um, it's what she told me next. What blew me away was this: that this lady who is studying to be, um, uh, she's getting her doctorate right now in biology, and uh, she said. After I put my faith in Jesus, um, my family rejected me, and um, they basically felt because I followed Jesus that then you must hate me because of our lifestyle. And uh, she just started to tell me more about her journey, and then she actually like tattooed one of my lyrics right here on her arm, which was like mind-blowing to me. I'm like, why would you do that? It's kidding. (laughs) Um, But she said, even that step, it was like, her mama was like, yeah, so I guess you hate me now? Because, and she's like, no mama, I, I don't hate you. I just love Jesus more. And like, I say that because, right, sometimes it can be really easy for us to be quiet in our family. It's really hard to stand up and be loud about Jesus in our family situations, depending on what your family is. And I know in this room, Some of you, that's really tough. It's tough for you to be loud about your faith in Jesus. I'm not telling you to be a jerk. But we have to speak up to something that we love even more. And so here's the last thought here is, is, because of your belief, is your spouse challenged to be more like Jesus or is it too quiet? Because of your beliefs, are your children challenged to be more like Jesus or is your beliefs just too quiet? Because of your beliefs, are your neighbors challenged to be more like Jesus? Do they know that you love Jesus? Or have you been too quiet? What about your coworkers? Do they know? Or are you just being too quiet because you don't want to offend anyone? You don't want to get in people's business. Listen, the rippling effect and the witness that we have, I mean, the fact that God uses you and me To share how he's changed our lives as a rippling effect to change other people's lives is just so unbelievable. But that's how we set it up. And he wants to use you. He wants to share your story. And so we must not be quiet. We must be loud. May we have a legacy that we see how John left. Two years later or so, people are still talking about the testimony of John may that be true for us let's pray let's just i'm going to ask you to all bow our heads and close our eyes you know at this time we do this every week we always give a gospel invitation and maybe it's easy if you come here regularly this is a time to maybe check out in your mind and get ready for whatever's next and i, I just want to challenge you don't check out i want to i want to challenge you right now to if you're jesus fellow in the room to do two things one pray for those in this room that don't know jesus yet the prayers of a righteous person accomplishes much. And so just pray. Or I want to challenge you too to ask yourself, where might your beliefs need to be broken or shifted? Like seriously, wh- where are you being quiet where you need to be loud? What shift do you need to make this week? Talk to God about that. Or maybe if you're honest, you've been really insecure with your faith. And you've been doubting your salvation and the enemy's been using that to make you feel shame. Give that to God and rest right now in his security of your faith that nothing can steal that from you. Or maybe if you're honest, you're not a Jesus fellow yet and you've grown cold at the idea of Jesus and that's you today. If you're honest, that's you. But maybe there's something stirring in you where you're like, you know, I don't understand at all. But there's something in me that maybe it is real. And here's the thing, like I already said, you don't have to understand everything to believe in something. But let me tell you just real quick this most important truth. If you don't hear anything, hear this. God loves you. He is so crazy about you. That's why he created you. And he created you with the ability To not be a robot, but to be real. And that's why we have light, and that's why we have darkness. But the darkness, our sin, separates us from God because he's so holy. And so that's why he made a way. And he sent his son Jesus to die for us. That's why he died. To pay the penalty for our sin so that you don't have to. But he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving he truly is God. And he made it really clear that all who call upon his name, like we already read earlier, will not perish, but will have eternal life. Not about your works, but your starting point to put your faith in him is that faith. And so if you've never done that, if you've never put your whole self in, maybe if you're honest, you've only put a little bit in. You've only put part of your life, but you haven't put all of your life in. And you're like, you know what? Today's the day I want to put my whole self in. If that's you, I want to lead you through a real prayer between you and God right now. Just make it your own. In the quietness of your heart, just say, Father, I put my whole self in. Not just part. I'm all in, Jesus. Just say that I'm all in. Forgive me. You know I'm a mess. It's hard to even believe that you could forgive at all. But right now, I confess and believe that you are the one that can forgive me. Forgive me. And thank him with gratitude. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising again for me. And then lastly, just as a declaration, just say right now in this moment, I receive you, Jesus, to be the king of my life. As we keep praying, I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out, but if that's you, and you put your whole self in today for the first time, I'm not going to call you out, but I want to pray for you and celebrate with you. I just, on the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. I put my whole self in today. I put my faith in Jesus for the first time. Amen. 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 Incredible. So incredible. Put your hands down. Listen, this is the best decision of your life. There is literally a party going on in heaven celebrating your soul being won, your soul being saved. And this is the beginning. This is just the beginning. He now has given you his spirit that now lives inside of you as a helper. Mark this date down. And be secure in it that no one can ever take it from you. Father, you're so good. Thank you, thank you, thank you for meeting us on our level. It's incredible. You're so good. We love you. Amen. Can we give it up for those who have put their faith in Jesus for the very first time? If you did that, I got one more challenge for you, okay? tell someone tell someone you came with let us know text the number that's easier for you listen again this is just the beginning um this is the starting point and it's so cool we're so excited for you